Okay, it's time for our second session. And uh, let me make sure that I know what I'm doing here. Okay, Bill, I need your help. Oh, no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay, what we're going to be talking about uh, in this session is breaking new ground. Everyone say breaking new ground. Everyone say breaking new ground. You know, uh, there is a someone was educating me on uh, the Yoruba language and uh, the yeah, I think it's the Yoruba language, and he gave me a wonderful proverb. And the proverb is uh, <laughs> there is a place in Nigeria called Shokoto. So correct me if I'm wrong. My my reference is Shokoto, right? It's a state called Shokoto. And in Yoruba, this is called a Shokoto. So there's a place called Shokoto, and this is also a Shokoto. Uh, for fun, why don't we say Shokoto? Shokoto. Shokoto? It's good to remember some of these things in Proverbs, because then you will remember the point that I'm making. So, many times... Uh, and, and, and the proverb that uh, my, my uh, Yoruba teacher <laughs> shared, shared with me is uh, don't go to Shokoto to find what is in your Shokoto. <laughs> you don't need to go to Shokoto. See, there are some people who, are, who spend their entire lives going to Shokoto, looking in Shokoto what is in their Shokoto. Okay? So a lot of times when we start talking about breaking new ground, people get all kind of funny ideas that, you know, uh, this man came and he talked to us about breaking new ground, so uh, I need to leave my church. Uh, you know, this is a, a you know, what, what, what this means is I should, I should find something to do outside my church. Please don't use any material that you are going to get from this uh, conference to justify what you want to do which is not in God's will. Okay? And a lot of times, we, we have to say this, uh, I think, more and more, when, when a door is opened for us to come into a situation, it's important for us to, 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 to say this, to qualify everything that we say. Ultimately, you must do what God is telling you. And there's a reason why, if you belong to River Life Church, there's a reason why God brought you here. And may, may I not be responsible for you uh, taking off going somewhere because of the things that I will say. So this is not what it's about. I want you to watch it when we talk about breaking new ground that you really understand the implications of what I'm saying. Ecclesiastes 1.9 The thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. So th this may sound like a contradiction. We're talking about breaking new ground and Ecclesiastes 1.9 tells us there's no new thing under the sun. The reason is because breaking new ground is not necessarily doing what has never been done. It may be you doing what you yourself have never done. Okay? But it's not necessarily doing what has never been done. And many times we have a... Thank you, dear. 
Many times, you know, people go on futile searches for something new. You know, if you came up with a business idea right now, uh, my my brother sitting right here is an engineer, and and his work is to come up with with inventions. Uh, And you know, that's the hardest thing. Coming up with something that is not patented these days is almost impossible. Because so many things have been patented. Then you start coming up with something and, and you are absolutely sure that it's, it's not there. And then you are reading one day in a magazine and you find somebody has done it. Or you come up with it and nobody has done it. You do all the searches and everything and you find that this thing has not been done. And by the time you, you, you get around to doing it, somebody else has actually done it. You and I need to actually feel comfortable with the fact that what God is going to call us to do is not necessarily original. It's not necessarily original. So we can, we, can, we can spend our entire lives trying to come up with the most original thing. And Jesus will come before we even come with it. With it. Because we are always going to be disappointed when by the time we come up with it, uh, with, with something that we think is original, we find out that somebody has done it. And that, that's the danger that's there. Uh, see, people will postpone actually responding to the call of leadership because they discover that the thing that they feel God is calling them to has been done. So breaking new ground is not necessarily doing what has never been done. It can merely be you doing what you yourself have never done. That's important enough. If you have never done it, and God is calling you to do it, do it. That's important enough. Okay? So, let's not attach value to God's call for our lives uh, only when it is original. God can call you to commonplace things that have always been done. It's still important to God. So the search for the thing that has never been done can be a futile, lifelong search. So God wants you to look at what he has put around you first. Okay? So breaking new ground, this is not, I'm not saying here, I'm giving you some license to go on some, on some you know, wild rabbit trail, you know, go from this place to that place and that place and that place looking for something to do. No. What is it that God is saying you should do where you are first? Now, look, let me qualify that and say, if God tells you that it's time to move on, and, and, you know, no one would be right to try to stop you from moving on. But you've got to make sure that it is God. You've got to make sure. And after you are sure, then you do. So it's not necessarily new. It's not necessarily of God simply because it is new. It has never been done. Or it's in a different place. But if God is asking you to do something, you do it. You break new ground of obedience in your own life. Now look at this. I could have... Uh, so that's a colorful page, isn't it? Uh, I, I could have filled it completely with names of people who have already done some of the things that God is going, going to call you to do. Could have filled it. There would be no space. Because what you have never done has most likely already been done, it takes away from you the excuse that it cannot be done. That's the good thing about it. If somebody has already done it, then it can be done. 
If you have any problem in the faith department, that's going to help you. That somebody has actually done it before you. Amen. No matter how big it is, the fact that somebody has already done it, my goodness, it should be encouragement to all of us. There are people who have planted churches in impossible situations. So if God calls you to plant a church in an impossible situation, because it has been done, you are supposed to say, well, God is great. I will do it. So, look at all those people. Asaph was a great musician. If God has called you to be a musician, it's already been done. Actually, you can, you can get some tricks here. There are some precedents. There are things that you can learn. You know? about how to write the Psalms from reading the book of Psalms. Because somebody has already... You know, sometimes you don't even have to reinvent anything. Sometimes you just look and you read the book of Psalms and you put it into song. It's wonderful. You have a precedent. You have, you have things that are available to you. And, and, and really, so instead of look, going to Shokoto, you know, and so on, perhaps it's already there. The manuals are already there where you are. And perhaps there's somebody sitting next to you who knows exactly what you ought to do. And all you need to do is to ask, can I have some help about this? And they will show you what you need to do. So you have Asaph, Isaiah, if God has called you to be a prophet, guess what? They've already been prophets. The Bible is full of them. You can read the Bible and find out how they did it. You know? And you, you, and you, know, you, you, you pray how they lived. You can see it also in the Bible. Just find out how they lived and, and, and you know, in life, you know, in, in, you know, uh, um, um, Tony was asking me, he said, can we put this stuff that we are, we are teaching uh, on, on, on our website at River Life? Anything that belongs to the Charlotte International Church automatically belongs to River Life, by the way. So there's no proprietary thing and, and, and so on over it. And when I was saying that to Tony, I, I, I felt really good about that because, you know, we... We, we try to protect some stuff. I, some of the stuff that I'm teaching has already been taught. They, some of this stuff, some people have heard it already. And you know, we're going to put in, you know, we're going to be talking about the book and everything. But you know, one of the reasons why I never really wanted to write is because you write something and then you realize, well, this is really not the most original thing that is out there. <laughs> but you do it out of obedience, don't you? Yeah. Actually, recently we discovered there's another book called The Leadership Challenge. Mine is called the challenge of leadership. Okay? But if God tells you to write, you write. Okay? You do what God has told you to do. So it's already been done. Oral Roberts has already preached big crusades. You know, he's already done it. Uh, Billy Graham has done it too, I think. Uh, Michael W. Smith has written some great songs. You know, Einstein. You know, if God calls you to be a scientist, Einstein has already done it. Joel Austin, you know, has already uh, uh, succeeded. You know, perhaps God is calling you to succeed somebody who was a great minister. Joel Austin's father was an incredible man of God called John Austin in uh, uh, Houston, uh, Texas. And when John Austin took over the church, uh, Joel Austin, when his father died, he had 6,000 members. And since 1999, 98, when his father died, he now has 30,000 people. So, perhaps God is calling you to do something after somebody who was very successful. But how can I do it? Well, it's been done. Somebody has actually done it. Okay? There are so many different examples of people who have done what God is calling you to do. 
So, because it's been done, it takes away from you the excuse that it cannot be done. Is that right? Okay. Now, the fact that others, I want you to read the, the, you know, the bottom blue line. Not, not, the, not just uh, the one above where it says Eliab. The fact that others cannot do it does not mean that you cannot. See, a lot of times we have a difficult time. You know, it's like, ah, but how can I do it? You know, but, but so and so failed. You know, and uh, see, this is when we are trying to be humble. <coughs> how can I do it because uh, so and so failed? It's not about so and so. When God speaks to you, it's about you. It's not about the person who failed. It's about you. Everyone says it's about me. Well, when I say it's about me, I'm not talk- don't, don't take that wrongly. I'm, talking, I'm saying that when God says, I want you to do this, you are the one who is supposed to do it. Irregardless of how many failures have come through. I hear this a lot. A friend of mine said this to me some time ago. He says, well... Ah, no, let me not go there. Let me not go there. Anyway, uh, one of the things that God is calling us to do these days is really to break down the wall that exists between the races. Because it's ungodly. And it doesn't advance kingdom purposes. There are many who have tried. If God tells you to do it, do it! And sometimes, you know what? You, 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 we, we succeed by seemingly failing. Okay? We, we succeed by seemingly failing. Because sometimes in our, in our failure or in the, in the devil's ability to withstand us, a testimony is birthed. So Martin Luther King was killed, but that may have been, uh, you know, all things work together for good. Great things happened. Because I'm sure there are some people who started asking, well, you know, why are we doing this? Why do we have to kill this guy? This guy was not advocating violence. I mean, why am I a racist? Why do we have to do this? I'm sure there are some people who changed their hearts. Because Martin Luther King was assassinated. So, sometimes we actually succeed through failing, through what it may seem like a failure. So, do you know everyone loves saying, well, you know, uh, I mean, the, the people who killed Jesus thought they were succeeding. Okay. They, they actually thought they were succeeding. So, they crucified him on the cross and everything. And even after he, res- he rose from the dead, they still say, well, you know, that was, that was all a lie. So, as far as they're concerned, they succeeded. But, goodness, God is such a good God. Because he prevailed over what may seem like their own success. So sometimes we succeed even by appearing to fail. Amen. The fact that others cannot do it does not mean that you cannot. So David came into this situation. We referred to David earlier. And Eliab, who himself had failed to respond to the Goliath challenge. He had failed. So now, here comes this young man who is going to uh, actually demonstrate (laughs) that uh, the other people around him don't have any faith by what he is going to do. So, you know, he, is, he insists, he says, no, you, you can't do it, you know. You are here, you are a naughty guy, and why, why are you saying this? And Saul himself also had failed. And he starts projecting his own failure to David. Well, you can't do it because he has been, uh, you know, a man of war from his youth. And you are but a young man. And David, you see, and, and I can imagine when you are in that situation. See, what you have to do when you are in a situation when the devil is telling you through people who have failed, 
that you can't do what God has assigned you to do. The difficult thing is that once that seed of doubt is planted, you will hear it. You will hear this voice. So this, this voice will actually tell you, you are stupid. Why are you trying to do this? You are a young man. There is nothing as difficult as telling that voice to be quiet. You will hear it. And you and I will actually need to have the faith to actually obey God even when we are hearing that negative voice. And it's saying certain things to it and we are doing what God called us to do anyway. Amen. It's a tough thing, but we will have to do that. So David, they were, I'm sure there were some things in his, you know, his soul saying, well, you know, you, you can't do it because you're but a young man. And, uh, uh, but something, he had to listen to the, to, to the voice that he needed to listen to. And what he needed to listen to was the voice that said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the beast, of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. That's what he needed to hear. Amen. Now, the fact that you cannot do it uh, does not mean others cannot. That's another side to it. If you can't do it yourself, it doesn't mean that others cannot. And we have these two groups of people a lot of times in the church. We have people who say, because I cannot do it. How can, see, we start talking about people who come and they say, God has told me to do something. They're like, ha, ah, you know, I cannot, did you hear what I heard? Like, ah, what did you hear? Hmm, brother, let me tell you. That person says he's going to start a business, you know. Says he's going, can you believe that? And, and, and the other person says, I mean, I can't really, I really cannot believe that that person can start a, you know, it's very hard to, <laughs> to start a business. The, you know, it's very, very hard, you know. I, I, I tried to start a business myself and I failed. I really failed. No. Look here. If God tells someone to do something, don't stand in the way. And you don't listen to the voice of the naysayer when you know what God has told you. Amen. Be willing to break the new ground that God wants you to break. Okay? And remember this. No one can deploy your testimony better than you can. Well, actually that's only partially true. So, you know, it's true, but it's, at the same time it's not true. Because there are sometimes, you know, you have so much faith for others. And they don't have it for themselves. They can't even believe that the things that happened to them which were so powerful, they could actually use those things for the kingdom. And you keep, you know, you get tired after a while of believing God for somebody else. You know, and you keep telling them, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Actually, in our relationship, you know, if you are a pastor, for instance, (coughs) there must come a time when you are not saying the same thing to the same person. For ten years, you can do this, you can, there must come a time when the person feels affirmed by what you said two years ago. Amen? Amen. There's a time when you must receive that affirmation. That you can do it. But many times it's very, very difficult for some to actually even realize what they have been given by God. (coughs) So David comes onto this scene. (coughs) And he says, all these people have failed. And, And you know, these are many people who are in the battlefield. Many. Including his brothers. It's not a few. 
is the entire army of Israel. All of them have failed. 40 days and 40 nights, they have failed to respond to the Goliath challenge. And he comes into that situation, and I can imagine when people started saying, you can't do this. When the king himself, the head honcho, says, you can't do this. Can you imagine if David didn't have confidence in what God had given him? Can you imagine what would have happened to him? It doesn't matter how high up there someone is. Somebody can come into your life and say you will never succeed. And they are the most successful person who is saying this to you. You will never succeed. Don't listen to them. Amen. You need to deploy your testimony the way God wants you to deploy your testimony. And that testimony may be irrelevant to others, but if you yourself know that it is relevant to the situation here, say it. Because some people, look, you know this could have been an, an ending debate. Uh, look here. Did you hear what he said? He said he killed a lion and a bear with his bear. This is Goliath. This is not a lion and a bear. How stupid. This could be an unending conversation, argument about this. But David says, look here, I know my testimony is relevant. I know I killed a lion and a bear with my, my bare hands. And I know that it is relevant to this particular assignment. And I don't care that all of you have failed to respond to this assignment. I am stepping forward in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what we should do. So God will not necessarily call you to abandon what you are doing. Sometimes he will just call you to push the envelope. Increase the circumference of what you are doing. Not necessarily to abandon what you are doing. Like, ah, you know, I'm so excited. I went to church because somebody came. I'm, these days, because I've received so many prophecies in my life, you know, sometimes you go to a place and people feel that they have to prophesy to you. You know, and there are so many prophecies sometimes that we receive. And, you know, some of these things, I, I don't know what to do with them anymore. Because some of them are so contradictory. So, you know what I do? I believe in prophecy. So, what I do now is, when I get a prophecy, I, I have enlarged the place where I put my testimony, my, my, the prophecies on, over my life. And I say, Lord, you know, you know what's true? You know what's not true? And I'm going to believe you to activate the one that, you, that is true and it will come to pass in my life. And, and, and the reason why I have that attitude is because it's so easy to be confused even by good things. So easy. So I, I, you know, I, I really need, I need, to de, I need discernment about the things that are good too. Just like I need discernment about the things that are bad. Amen. So God will not necessarily call you to... So some people may... You know, if someone comes in here and says, Well, you know, yeah, 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 I see that this is what you are going to be doing. And it's radically different from, from what you are currently doing. For some people, then it qualifies as an exciting prophecy. Many people don't consider someone coming and telling them you are in the right place. Enlarge your territory right here as an exciting prophecy. Okay, can we stop there for a little? If somebody comes and says, yeah, 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 I see a radical change 
in your circumstances. Here yeah, yeah, I see you being the Prime Minister. You are going to be the Secretary of State. You know, and you're an engineer somewhere. People get excited. Mike, that was an exciting... Sometimes people pretend not to be excited, but they're really excited. If somebody comes and says, yeah, yeah, you are in the right place at River Life. Ah, uh, can you increase the circumference of your activity at River Life? You know, you know, if you're in the children's ministry, can you do a little bit more? You know, but here, people don't consider that an exciting prophecy. You know, I, and I, I, this, is, this is kind of bad news for a lot of Christians. And I'm hoping that you can receive this. Because it's important. If God is speaking, no matter that you and your heart is not pounding about what God is saying. If God is speaking, accept it and do it. So, God is not necessarily calling you to abandon what you are doing. But sometimes he's just calling you to push the envelope. Isaiah 54, 2-3 is a wonderful scripture which a lot of times we misapply. Because Isaiah 54, 2 does not say abandon the place where your tent is. It says enlarge your tent. Is that right? It says enlarge the place of thy tent. It actually says enlarge the place of thy tent. It says enlarge the way you see, you have placed your tent already. But now, what I want you to do is to enlarge the area that should be covered by your tent. Because what I actually want you to do is, I want you to lengthen the cords so you can actually expand the area that your tent is covering. But you are established right here. Okay? That scripture to me is not an automatic sanction for us to uproot our tents and go elsewhere. That scripture says to me, I mean, in its most basic sense, although God can actually be saying enlarge your tent, meaning, you know, well, take, take, take your tent and go somewhere else. God can say that to you. But when I read this scripture, what I find primarily is enlarge the place where your tent is. And lengthen your cords. In other words, make provision for this, the tent to be bigger where you are established. I said that's not good news. Okay? But that's the word of the Lord. For someone sitting in here. Because God wants you to enlarge your tent right here. God wants you to lengthen your cords right here. Create room for a bigger tent. And it says... Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. In other words, allow the helpers to help. If you cannot allow the helpers to help, in the place where God has sent you, you will not allow the helpers to help in Shokoto. There are some people who are just not used to people are helping them stretch themselves. When people start talking to them about, you know, why don't you do more of this? Why? They say, well, you know, that's not what God told me. But how many people still believe that God speaks also through others? Amen. That's not what God told me. I, I, I don't think that is of God. Why? Because, you know, that is, that is really going against what God told me. Well, if you have that attitude about everything, how are you going to allow, to let others 
straight, stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. At some point, you will have to accept that there are people that God speaks to concerning your vision and who God tasks with the responsibility of stretching forth the curtains of your habitation. Some of us are not used to receiving help. The reason why we're not used to receiving help is because when the help comes, it comes and forces us to do things that we ourselves have not seen yet. But the issue must be, it's not that you, the most important thing should not be here whether you have seen it in a vision yet. The important thing should be here, do you believe that this is a word from God? If it is a word from God, even though you yourself have not had a visitation concerning that, then you must do it. Otherwise, you and I would never be able to obey God about anything if it all is about God speaking to us directly. Mm. There are people that God brings into your life to help you stretch forth your tent. And you must let the helpers do that. So lengthen thy cords. In other words, make rational provision for growth. You know you're going to need longer cords. So start getting the longer cords. You have created a bigger room for your tent. But make a rational you know, provision for a bigger tent. Look for the things that are needed for a, for a bigger tent. Lengthen thy cords. So that when you, when you need to tie down the tent, you have enough to tie down a bigger tent. Alright. And it also says, see what it says in the scripture? And strengthen thy stakes. Stakes. Where you are established. Make sure that you are really established where God wants you to be established. Alright, let's move on real quick. This, uh, the concentric model demonstrates that being established and enlarging one's territory are not mutually exclusive propositions. Let me explain that a little bit. It's saying what I've just been saying in a slightly different way. For some people, it can't be God if I must remain where I am. It can't be God. If it's a bigger vision, how can it be here? How? It's not possible for it to be a bigger vision. And so, so some people don't see themselves being used by God to enlarge where they already are. Particularly because sometimes they're not the ones who are responsible for starting it. So, but how can, it be, how can I enlarge my vision here? But God is saying to you, yeah, enlarge your vision here. There may be some people in the local church where you are who have a smaller vision, like that inner circle there. That inner blue circle prescribes the circumference of what they do but they have the same center with you. They are established in the same place. They are drawing from the same source. They are eating the same spiritual food as you. They have sometimes the same pastor as you. But you have a much bigger vision which is prescribed by the, uh, the, the outline of the brown circle there. But you are still rotating at the same, it's the, you are at the same place. And the other people is prescribed by the one that is out there. They have a much, much bigger vision. What I'm saying is, you can have a very big vision and belong to a very small church. Do we agree? 
Amen. You can have a, 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 and the fact that you have a very big vision must not make it difficult for you to be established. It mustn't. It must not make it difficult for you to have the same center as everybody else. These are not two mutually exclusive propositions. There are people who get bigger visions and all of a sudden they are a problem. Amen. They are such a problem. They can't, they really cannot sub- submit where God has sent them to submit and you know, as far as they are concerned, the center needs to shift a little. Now, breaking new ground, what I'm talking about here today, breaking new ground is not saying to you, your center must shift. If there is somebody that God has put in your life and they said you must, uh, you need to submit to that person. You need to, even if you have a much bigger vision. Because the stability of your center is what is going to strengthen you. You're going to be able to do much more simply because you are in obedience in terms of where your life is pegged. So, concentric circles have a common center. We can break new ground with the old center still holding. Amen. Hmm. Is that? Is that clear? We can break new ground with the old center still holding. We can be here and break new ground. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not here on an assignment uh, uh, on behalf of Pastor Byron and Sister Becky. Please, don't misunderstand this. I'm not here on an assignment from Pastor. I'm just telling you the truth that if God has not told you to move on, don't move on. If God says, do something new, don't always assume that God is saying you should Get up and move on. Don't. Because that may not be what God is saying. You can have a much bigger vision where you are. Okay. Now let's move on. We're almost done. And you know, sometimes we have this eccentric model from where we get, you know, the word eccentric actually is drawn from some of these concepts. Eccentric simply means sometimes you know you know you just don't have a common center with someone. They they just don't they're just not where you are, and you can't really relate to what they they really you know. And and you can have a situation in in the church where they are they are eccentric. Uh, the eccentric model prevails where people don't have the same center, but they are bound by this. You know they are members of the same church. But they want to do things which are just totally so divergent in terms of, uh, uh, you know, what God desires for that particular place, you know. And, and it, it, things are so difficult and so rough. I don't believe that that is necessarily what God is saying also when he says, break new ground, like shift your center, uh, necessarily, but remain with it. Because there are some people, they don't leave, but they are such a problem. But they don't leave. But, they, but, they, but, but it's like, but it's kind of like, you know, and every time they're telling you, God told me to do something different. And the moment you start talking to them about, you know, well, you know, the thing that you're doing is a little bit, you know, they, you know, they, they get angry and everything. But, but they don't leave. So you just, you, you know, you are, 
you know, sometimes you just don't know what to do. You know? I really don't believe that when God says, break new ground, that he is necessarily saying, shift the center. Not necessarily. Amen. All right. You cannot break new ground without seed. And what is seed? Seed is what you keep back from satisfying your, the, the, the needs of your flesh. What you keep back from consumption. Uh, you can't break new ground if you don't have seed. I mean, it's, it's a very simple principle. Nothing new about this. You cannot do something uh, beyond what you are doing now without setting aside a little bit more time to work the new thing that God is giving you. You can't. You will actually have to set aside a little more time. You will actually have to cut back on the number of times that you go on vacation in order for you to be able to do certain things that God is calling you to. You know, there are only 24 hours in a day. And already some of us are oversubscribed. Our days are completely taken up. So sometimes, you know, we get frustrated and we're like, well, why is, you know, God never tells me to do anything. Even if he told you to do anything, can you do it? Do you have the time to do it? Do you have what it takes to actually say, I'm going to cut back here. I am going to use less money to just buy lunch at McDonald's every day so that I can actually do this thing, this new thing that God is calling me to do. There is something that you will have to give up. Okay, let's go back to my example that I gave you earlier on. I love doing a lot of different things. I love it for myself. But that's not necessarily loving it for God. So I love doing this and, and, and doing... You can lead a, a life of devilish. What happens at the end of the day if you can't actually take a portion of your time and use it as seed for the things that God wants you to do, the new thing that God wants you to do, you will live a life of dabbling in little things. Because there's only 24 hours in a day. You will be a dabbler. D-A-B-B-L-E-R all your life. So you dabble in this, you dabble in that, you dabble in this, and you dabble in that, you dabble in this, you dabble in that, and you never do the things that God wants you to do. And what God wants is for you to move from being a dabbler to do the thing that he wants you to do, that he's calling you to. But to do that, you will need the seed of time. You will need the seed of finances. You will need a lot of seeds. So, and, and planting a seed is an act of faith. We all know that. Nothing new about that. Planting a seed is an act of faith. You don't know what's going to happen when you plant it. <laughs> you believe it's going to come out. But the reason why you have confidence that it's going to come out is because, remember what we said earlier, nothing that God asked you to do, uh, has, you know, there are very few things that God will ask you to do that have not been done before. The seeding principle is nothing new. You're not inventing it. There are so many people who have applied it, who, who have actually put some seed in the ground and it has come out. So, you know, you can... You know, you can you know, you can be confident that, uh, you know, by faith that something is going to happen, but you, you really don't know uh, totally how it's going to work out. But it, it's an act of faith, but you know, there's, there are precedents. Some people have already planted seeds 
and the seeds have come out. So it's an act of faith, but thank God that some other people have actually applied the principle and it has worked. So you cannot break new ground without seed. I told a story at the last uh, leadership retreat that we had <laughs> about my grandfather moving from one place uh, and, and you know, got, got a farm. When he got this farm, he could only plant a very small field because he had you know, borrowed some seed from some people. And what he had, so what became important in my, in my grandfather's life, if you went to my grandfather's uh, farm, some of the most prominent buildings were the, the granaries for the seed. Each year, he made sure that there was enough seed to break new, not just to plant the old field. You see, the family was growing. So it's not enough to just plant the old seed, the fields. So he made, he made sure that he had enough seeds to break new ground every year. So every year he was always clearing another field because he had enough, enough seed. And one thing that you were assured you would be in maximum trouble with my grandfather, who had an incredible aim, I mean, if he, you know, if he took a, a, a piece of clamped clay and threw it, you know, if, if that thing could reach you, it would hit you. And he would make sure that you got it if you went into the granary and started eating the groundnuts which were in the granary. You paid for it dearly if you touched his seed. You paid for it. And some of us need to be disciplined. Everyone say disciplined. With our seed. In order for us to break new ground. Because if you are always eating seed, you will never break new ground. You will never break new ground. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abided alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's the principle of the seeding. Uh, of seeding. Uh, we, we know all that. Guess what? We are almost done with this session on breaking new ground. So let's, let me just say this in closing. Go to, go to your syllabus. Uh, do you have your syllabus with you? <clears throat> and go to the section on breaking new ground. First Kings 19.20 says about Elisha. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. There must be a recognition on your part and on my part that there may be some things that we are doing that are good that God does not necessarily want us to do anymore. Amen. This is the, I want to balance this thing. They, they are, they, 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 I said earlier that when God, when we're talking about breaking new ground, it's not necessarily saying to you, abandon what you are doing, right? But you see, we need, we need, we need to balance this out. Because there may be some things that you are currently doing that are good. When the call of God comes into your life, it's not a statement about the moral integrity of what you are doing. 
When you are feeding your family, you are doing a good, godly thing. But when God comes, when you are plowing the fields for your family, you are doing a good thing. There are some people who will never respond, particularly to the call of ministry. Because it almost always comes and forces you to make a choice between good and good. And that's a difficult one. But God, you know, right here, remember the story of Gideon. The angel comes to Gideon. What is Gideon doing? Gideon is threshing wheat so that he can hide the wheat from the Midianites who were always raiding the children of Israel. He's busy threshing the wheat. And the angel comes and he says, uh, you know, mighty man of valor, you know, it's time for you to rise and deliver Israel. And he's like, huh? First of all, I come from the poorest family in Manasseh, which is not a plus at all. And secondly, I'm busy. I am not just busy with my own stuff here. I am threshing wheat so that I can hide it because there are some people coming and, and looking and you start talking to me about this faith stuff. And, and, and so what, what are you saying? Mighty men of valor, me? What are you talking about? That I should deliver Israel. How do I deliver Israel? How do I do it? In any case, you, God, have abandoned us. Where were you when we, I mean, when all these people were coming to sub, put us under subjection? Where were you? And you start telling me right now. And you know something? There are many people in our churches today who are having exactly the same conversation with God. And they argue back to God about the good things that they are doing. Making the choice between good and good is a tough thing. Amen. But it's a choice that you will have to make if you are going to be in God's perfect will. It's a choice that you are going to have to make. And right now, in the times in which we are living, to be honest with you, the good that we are doing sometimes is really consolidating the bad that the enemy is doing. Our inability to choose what God wants us to do is really strengthening the enemy because the most important thing as far as God is concerned is for you to emerge and come to the front lines. It's not necessarily for you to take care of your family. Hmm. I guess when I say this, some will say, well, he can afford to say that because he's not doing a very good job of taking care of, my, of his family. Let me tell you something. I can't take care of my family. Neither can you. Amen. Only God can. When I had one child, I thought it was easy to take care of one child. And I found that it was a challenge. And even when I was not in ministry, and even when I was in obedience, I know that it was God who took care of her. I know that. When I had two girls... It was a greater challenge. When a son came after that, it wasn't even, I, there is no way, and it doesn't become any easier. My daughter is getting ready to go to college in two years. I don't know where the money is going to come from. 
But most of you know that you haven't been able to put your kids through college. They had to get some loans. That's not taking care of your family now. That's the government doing it for you. Nah, I'm not making a, passing a judgment concerning that. But the point I'm trying to make is this. There are many things that we think we are doing ourselves that we are not doing. It is God who is doing it for us. I can't take care of my family. It is God who makes it possible for you to stretch that dollar even. These days, even if you get $5,000 a month, it's not enough. It is God who actually stretches the little that you get. You might just as well choose what God wants you to do because He is taking care of your family anyway. So when God says to you, I want you to abandon this now and do this, you and I have to be willing to do it without any question because He is taking care of our families anyway. Amen. Don't have too much of a high opinion of what you can do for your family. Don't have a higher opinion of what you can do for your family than God has for you. Don't have a higher opinion about your worth to your company than what God wants you to have. Amen? If God says, you see, there are some people who are arguing with God, like, the company is, you know, because of me, because I'm here, things will go well for the company. Well, that is only if God has told you to be there. Actually, you may be surprised that the company will do better after you leave. <laughs> Amen. Because you can ha- there can be a Jonah situation in that company. May God help us.